Being from the South, I know a thing or two about how bugs can ruin a great outdoor experience. It's crazy how something so small can affect some of the potentially greatest experiences of your life. And that's why today's show is brought to you in part by Sawyer. You might know them as the water filter company. I actually have a couple Sawyer filters, but they make a lot of other great products too, including their insect repellent. And uh, j just some points about what it is. It's great for the whole family. It's actually safe to use on infants and those who are pregnant because they don't use DEET, the active ingredient. They use something better called picaridin. It actually lasts longer. It lasts up to 12 hours. Pretty incredible. And it doesn't damage any of your gear. So it's insect repellent specifically made for families who are also outdoorsy because it won't ruin any of that high dollar gear that you've bought to be out there. And it does a fantastic job of protecting you and your family from those vector-borne illnesses that are carried by insects. I know for me, I'm always carrying some insect repellent because I've had mosquitoes specifically ruin some pretty incredible backpacking experiences. Don't let it happen to you. Use Sawyer's 20% Picaridin insect repellents. Find out more about that at sawyer.com. Play safe, travel safely, Sawyer. They keep you outdoors. I mean, there's not really another good option. We weren't gonna turn around and bike a hundred miles in the other direction. Like bike in, trying to be all quiet. And we're like, we'll just fill our water bottles and leave. It's not a big deal. And we got to this campground and everything was shut off. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we hear stories of adventure from every corner of the planet. We interview all sorts of folks who are using their sport to explore the world around them and give you the inspiration you need to get out there and have some fun. Hey folks. Uh, today's episode talking about the Wild West bikepacking route is just a classic adventure sports podcast episode. It's someone went on an adventure, just got back, sits down, talks to us, tells us some stories, tells us highs and lows, and it's you know a two-month adventure that Keegan went on, and it's just a great episode. Uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Um, I would love to to check out this new route. It's a it's a route that goes from Canada to Mexico, twenty seven hundred miles, something like two hundred thousand feet of elevation gain. It's pretty crazy, and it took Keegan about two months to finish. But he has some cool stories from it, and uh, it was just a great you know conversation. Really. Really made my week having this talk with Keegan. Um, so Keegan, thanks again, and uh, looking forward to having you back on. It sounds like you have a lot of adventures you've been on, and you're always doing more. So uh, we'll have to find something else to talk about here soon. But anyway, hope you had a great weekend. I, I remodeled the house a little bit. I was doing some projects. We're, we're, we're in the right in the middle of a remodel, so I'm going to be doing that for like the next, gosh, Tons of weekends, that's for sure. But I'll try to squeeze in an adventure here and there every once in a while. Maybe maybe I'll have to do them just after work sometime, an overnight trip. Uh, but anyway, I hope y'all are getting out there, doing things. And uh, yeah, hope you have a great week coming up. Let's make something cool happen. All right, talk to you on Thursday. Welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Today, we're talking to someone who's done a route that I've really been interested in, a bikepacking route called the Wild Rest, West, the Wild West Route. Yeah, dang, that's a, that's a more of a tongue twister than you think, but uh, we're interviewing Keegan French, who just recently got off the trip. So, Keegan, how's it going? Hey, pretty good. Thanks. Awesome, man. Well, where are you coming from today? Uh, I'm here in Golden, Colorado. Um, I'm home, <laughs> coming from the living room. Oh, nice, man. It's uh, w w Did you just recently do the trip? I know the email was back in July. W was it this summer? Was it? Yeah, it was uh, It was this summer. I started um, right in the beginning of June and, and finished right at the end of July. So I've been home uh, about a month and a half. Oh, sweet, man. And, uh, you know, you, we were talking a little bit before you were mentioning that you work for Avid for Adventure. You've done some climbing. You, you, you climb, you know, have done some guiding for them and stuff. But this was your first bikepacking adventure, correct? So, what what is your background in adventure sports? Where where where'd you grow up? What'd you kind of do growing up? And what is kind of your traditionally your sports that you were into? Yeah. Um, oh man. Well, it could be a long story. Big but question the, uh, here. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I grew up in Western New York. Um, I guess you could say I came by it honestly. Uh, both my parents were outdoor guides in some fashion as I was growing up and uh, kind of spent my younger years traveling around with my dad and, and other family members adventuring. Um, but to be honest, as a teenager, I was pretty set that I was going to be my own person and uh, swore that I didn't like canoeing, didn't like hiking, you know, all of that. I was going to do my own thing. So <laughs> got into snowboarding and you know, anything that my family didn't do. <laughs> wow. So they were the ones that were kind of instilling it in you. What did they do? Just kind of that, that, uh, those things you mentioned, canoeing and hiking and all that. Yeah. Um, my dad still kind of owns his own adventure guiding business. So it's, um, canoeing, kayaking, hiking, biking, rock climbing, skiing, kind of the, the whole gambit either locally or, or internationally. Um, so kind of grew up around most of that stuff and, I was, you know, I was, I was interested in it. I got pretty into rock climbing when I was about 16, 17. Um, again, had a, had a father who was afraid of heights and I was like, cool, climbing, I'm going to do that. <laughs> wow. Um, ended up kind of deciding in college and, you know, moving into the years beyond that, that obviously these were still things that were important to me and I liked to do them. Um, and ultimately ended up following them and, and moving to Colorado because of it. Oh man, the the the, the mecca, well, one of exactly. The I know, but, right? Uh, Me and everyone else, <laughs> <laughs> dude. Yeah, we we actually listeners probably sick and tired of me always just telling personal facts. But I just moved from the golden area like two months ago, and man. so um, yeah, was there for for a while. Miss it for sure. But um, yeah, it was definitely like, oh wow, everybody else is here too. <laughs> but exactly uh, but still it's it's when you when you're there it makes sense you know you know it's it's you understand why it's so impressive so so you eventually came back around and i and i I find that so interesting because we hear from so many people who you know they they didn't have that influence growing up or maybe it was hunting or fishing or something only um and the you know the other things outdoors were a little more peripheral or really not there at all and then they discover it later on so the fact that you were in it went away from it and came back. You're like a, you're like a preacher's kid, you know, coming back to the pulpit <laughs> years later. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's uh, definitely something I liked, but I was a, a challenging kid to say the least. So anything I could do to pretend like I was my own person, that was, that was a good thing for me. <laughs> That's funny, man. So, so, well, you know, you got into bike packing, so, you know, you, you, you're doing something. I don't know. Your dad might do that too, but it sounds like it was at least new for you recently. Uh, tell us about what you just did. How, how did you have the time off? Was it just because with work and everything, COVID going on, did you have some time or was this something you were planning to do for a while? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, no, I definitely wasn't planning it for a while. I would say I got the idea in March and left in June. Oh, man. Uh, That's awesome. So, yeah, I've never, this is my first bikepacking trip. Um, so, kind of got that idea in my head and had been working pretty hard. I'd been working for Avid and also going back to school to get my master's in social work, um, on the side. So I've been working pretty hard for the past couple of years, um, and looking for a way to have an adventure and it next, it just kind of lined up, you know, I graduated in May. Um, Avid was looking for some folks to take time off, um, you know, due to COVID and just having a smaller team for the summer. Um, and I got the opportunity to do that and it came around and I was like, yep, would love to take some time off. Here's what I'll be doing. Um, sent my uh, <laughs> boss a link to, to the bikepacking route and said, yeah, if it's okay with you, this is what I will be doing with my time off. And so it all kind of kind of lined up perfectly to allow me to do that. That's incredible. So why yeah. why this route? What, what like was the inspiration to choose this route and to also to bikepack? Were you just wanting to get into that in general? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I've never bikepacked before. My uh, my cousin did a bikepacking trip last year. Um, he did another with the Plateau Passage through Utah, and he'd been talking about it forever. You know how great it was, and actually he had this absurd experience of like going by himself, and there was so much snow, and he had to push and carry his bike and hitchhike into town because he ran out of food and like oh, all man. of this crazy stuff. You That's know, awesome. <laughs> totally. Um, so you know he was kind of into the bikepacking scene and always wanted to do another one. Um, and he sent me an email around March with this route in it. Just like, Hey, look at this. They just finished it. Um, and so I looked it up and I don't know, you somehow, somehow adventures just grip you, you know, you, you get the idea kind of stuck in your head that it would be cool. And I, uh, started looking at the website 
And to be honest, immediately what I did was look at the website to see if there was anything that seemed either longer or like more rugged. And there wasn't. Uh, this was like the biggest, longest put together route I could find. And I was like, that's it. We should do that one. And that was <laughs> just a couple months before we left. So, so how did you prepare in two months? Like you, you obviously, did you have a bike? Did you have to get one? Like what, what did all that look like? Cause you know, there is, it's a lot like backpacking, anyone that's not familiar with bikepacking, but there are some specific things, you know, to the bike itself and, and, and bags and stuff that aren't, that aren't cheap. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I felt pretty familiar with the, you know, the camping ordeal and the adventuring part, but no, I'd only mountain biked. Um, I had a, and I still do, I have one mountain bike, but it's more of a, an enduro bike. Got into mountain biking a couple of years ago, mostly wanted to ride it downhill. I wasn't really that into <laughs> pedaling long days. Um, prior to, right. to hitting the trail, the most I'd ridden was 30 miles in a day. Oh uh, and that was like gosh. a downhill <laughs> ride, a full enchilada kind of thing. <laughs> That is funny, dude. So, so you, you, uh, I mean, did you change that or did you stick to relatively short days and, and you know, how long did it take you? Yeah. Uh, on the trip. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, well, <laughs> so again, looked at the, the website and people who had done it and was like, Oh, if you go 50 miles a day, it takes roughly two months. And I was like, that sounds reasonable. So we'll just hit 50 miles a day. Um, and so that was what we ended up doing for the whole time. Uh, but yeah, I, the first day was, <laughs> was rough. Started, started out in the Arizona border and you bike North and it's 108 degrees. And it was the first time I'd ever biked with a loaded bike because I was like working right up until the last day before we left. So I'd like ridden my bike around town and experimented with different parts. But just before we put it in the car to drive to the border, we like packed everything onto our bikes and I rode it around the neighborhood here in Golden for maybe 10 minutes. I was like, okay, everything stays. <laughs> That's it's, it's like biking a, biking a moped, you know, That's you exactly just, what it was you're like. like, Oh my gosh, this thing's so heavy. It was so heavy. That is wild, man. What's, what's interesting is we've talked so much about the tour divide and the great divide mountain bike route. This is legitimately parallel to it. Just, you know, everywhere from like a hundred to maybe a few hundred miles west yeah. not even like heck it right. looks like it's even closer in places that is crazy this is incredible what a cool route yeah, yeah. you know and i looked at that um the obviously the great divide kind of came up in my research of looking at this and this route it's super cool um it's put together by a nonprofit, bikepacking roots uh i think they finished it in 2019 so pretty new in the world of, of bikepacking routes and I kind of compared the two side by side and this one, it just has less pavement and less, uh, less people, less busy places. Uh, it's like 80% on public land, something like that. Um, almost entirely off pavement and just looked a little more rugged and a little bit more wildernessy, which is kind of what I was looking for. Did it prove to be true? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it was, it's pretty out there sometimes, you know, it's not, it's not too crazy. There's, you know, you can resupply every three days at the most. Um, but you know, parts in Arizona, you're a hundred miles between water. And so that was a whole new experience for me, but I just wanted to get out there in the desert, um, you know, see less people and, and see all of kind of the amazing places that American West has out there. And it was great. I mean, it's, I slept out every night for, for two months. Um, stars were incredible. I didn't even bring a tent until I got to Salt Lake city, um, for the first first month again trying to save weight had like a i don't know how heavy my bike was 50 70 pounds i have no idea it was hard to pick up uh <laughs> no one yeah man what a what a culture shock to leave on day one from the mexican border and if i'm not mistaken it looks like it bikes along the border for just a little bit yeah oh it's so weird so we so yeah i finished work got in the car the next morning drove straight to arizona the mexican border slept in my truck and then got up the next day and you, you bike out four miles to the border and touch the wall and turn around and start biking North. And it's, I mean, there's nothing there. It's just the middle of nowhere, a bunch of border patrol coming along. Actually. Did they like ask you, what the heck are you doing, man? No, it's pretty weird. You know, they, well, this totally ignored me. Like it was a normal thing that I'm coming to the wall with my loaded bike, taking pictures 
God only knows what those bags were full of, you know? I mean, they, totally. <laughs> so a little, little privilege there of just showing up at the border, turning around, going back the other way. But I, uh, so it was also the first time I'd ridden in clips. I rode around a little bit prior to then, but keeps getting better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really just went for it. Uh, so in my clips, the first time was like feeling pretty good, practiced a bunch and we biked on this like tiny double track desert road past the border patrol, tried to pull over and, and get out of the way. And they're coming down in their truck and I like stop and just couldn't unclip. So right there, four miles in, just tipped over, stuck underneath my bike in the middle of the road. They had to <laughs> slam on their brakes, just like looking at me, shaking their head, like scrambling to get out from under my bike, pick the cactus out of myself. <laughs> they just, oh my gosh. you know, nothing. Just look over the sunglasses and keep driving along. That's oh it. <laughs> So, so was, was there a moment early on where you thought, you know, what have I gotten myself into? Was that it? Or was there one at all? Yeah, no, there definitely was. Uh, it was, it was the first day actually. So we planned, um, so I started the trip, uh, with my cousin and then my dad had actually driven us down to the border Mm. and had planned on just like biking a day or two with us and then driving my truck back. So we were going to bike from the border to Tombstone, Arizona. It's like touristy little town down there with stagecoaches and all this. Uh, it was only 35 miles. I was like, this is good. It's a good warm-up day. Like, let's do that. We'll rest and, you know, we'll start big the next day. And it's super flat. You, like, leave the border. You're right along a river. Well, not really a river. It's like a sandy mess with no water in it. But right. you go along this <laughs> riverbed. And uh, it's totally flat until you get almost to town. And then there's... I mean, in the scale of the Wild West, you're super small uphill going into it, maybe 400 feet. And we left a little bit late, and I was going a little slow, and it was about 1 in the afternoon. Uh, I definitely hadn't drank enough water, and we're only like 30 miles in, and I was just laying on the side of the road, like 108-degree heat, getting kind of dizzy and weird, thinking, oh, my God, like I cannot bike my heavy bike up this hill, and it's day one of 50. Like, (laughs) what did I get myself into? (laughs) thankfully you didn't you know you made it you didn't have a heat stroke or anything (laughs) yeah but man you should have seen it just laying on the side of the road under a tiny you know desert tree dumping water on my head just trying to trying to keep it all together i mean physically i didn't feel very good but mentally man i was like wow i'm not ready for this but from there i mean you you get into some pretty I mean, from just looking at the map, it just lots and lots of, of desert, lots of heat, um, make your way up to the Grand Canyon. What, what, what was that first portion like going through Arizona? Like I, I it must've changed a lot. It did. Um, you know, people ask me all the time about like this trip and what was the most surprising part. And I think that was it. Just the state of Arizona. Um, it's so diverse, you know, you can go from the Sonoran desert down super low. It's like I said, way over a hundred degrees, big cactus, no water, but you climb up into the mountains and it's incredible. There's big pine trees and lakes and streams and you're down to, you know, 30 degrees at night. So like our third day, we, uh, climbed about a Tucson, 110 degrees in the Valley. It was, we woke up, it was 34 degrees in the morning. Um, like all bundled up in our sleeping bag and there's these huge pine trees and uh rivers and small ponds and all of that kind of stuff and so it was incredibly diverse um and also incredibly challenging that was it was one of my favorite parts of the trip overall and i think it was because i had just started and it was so so new and wild you know every day seemed like a week it was it was incredible that, that that's a that's a truth with adventures like this every day feels like a week and every week feels like a month you know yeah and every month it feels like a year. It's, 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 it's just so jam packed with new experiences. Um, and then you get to what, from what I can tell on the map, looks like the Grand Canyon. You went to the South Rim. Had you ever seen that before? So I paddled the Grand Canyon in 2010. Oh, jeez, um, yeah. That's awesome. But I hadn't been back there since then. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty wild because you're biking across this flat desert north of uh, Flagstaff. And the whole day, I couldn't tell if I was just seeing, like, a red band or the Grand Canyon. And I still don't really know. But you climb up on these mountains north of Flagstaff, and you're hundreds of miles away. And you can 
I, I think it is vaguely see this like giant Canyon ahead of you. Uh, this is actually the grand Canyon was an interesting area. A lot of this was a little bit of a challenge, you know, with COVID and, and all that happening for the most part, not a big deal. You're not around people, but some of the, some of the route required things to be open, you know, for food and water and camping and all of that. And so we bike to the North or the South rim, like get there, everything looks good, you know, go take the picture on the rim. And then our plan was to bike to the campground there. And I just could not get through on the phone um, or really figure out what was going on on the website. And like the, the park itself was open, but like was the campground, but like maybe not. And so we were either going to camp there or continue on. But it was about three, four in the afternoon, maybe four or five. And we got to the campground there on the South Rim and, and everything is closed. And we t needed water. I mean, you're in the middle of nowhere. There's not a ton of water around there. So that campground was our water source. So we're totally out. We each have like half a liter left. Um, all of the, the buildings and things in the, the parking lots are closed. All the water is off. And so there's a big roadblock on the road there. <laughs> and so, we, I mean, there's not really another good option. We weren't going to turn around and bike 100 miles in the other direction. So we're there at like 5 p.m., pushing our bikes like through the woods around this roadblock to like go to the other side to see if there's water in the campground. And we like bike in trying to be all quiet and we're like, we'll just fill our water bottles and leave. It's not a big deal. And we got to this campground and everything was shut off. Like all of the water spigots, all of it. We're like going around the whole oh, thing. No. The bathrooms are locked. And finally, somehow at the behind, like one of the maintenance buildings, there's like one sink that was like dishes only <laughs> we turn it on and i've never been happier to see water <laughs> just... oh my gosh what would you have done you i don't know, know man we would have <laughs> biked a lot of pavement to a town or gone back 50 miles i don't know it was <laughs> i was glad there's water and so we uh filled up and just biked biked out of the canyon or out of the, the national park that day just kind of passed the roadblocks and i mean no one was there so we just biked until we hit national forest land and camped for the night very very happy that we'd found a little bit of water <laughs> this is the best time to move to the mountain town of your dreams covid19 has changed the way the world works and probably the way you work i know that i work more remotely now now that all this has happened so why not live somewhere that you want to in a mountain paradise that you've always dreamed of well, the Gunnison Valley in Colorado is that perfect place. It's nestled right between a bunch of mountains, all sorts of things to do. There's over 750 miles of biking and hiking single track. Crested Butte right there in the valley has world-class skiing, and the whole county has an award-winning school system. So imagine waking up in your ultimate destination every single morning, no traffic, no crowded trails, no more wishing you lived in the mountains uh, like I do. <laughs> Work where you play in the Gunnison Valley. They'll be able to help you make that mountain dream come true at icelab.co. That's icelab.co. And consider the Gunnison Valley your new home. My goodness, man. And, and then, I mean, yeah, there's there's those times where it's like, you know, you don't... You, it just creates a good story. You know, it's like the last thing we checked and obviously the last option, it had what we needed, but you know, if it could have been a totally different story if it wouldn't have been open and who knows what adventure would have led to, but you kept going, you found your water and y'all kept moving it, 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 quickly after you leave the Grand Canyon. It just, I, it looks like it just keeps like more and more desert, more and more bizarre landscapes, um, yeah. from what I know about those areas, but you know, w was that enjoyable to you? Did you, did you enjoy all this change and the climbing that was involved? What, what was the experience as you kept going? Like, yeah, um, I actually did learn to enjoy the climbing. It was about day four when we realized that maybe not mileage, but time wise, 80, 85% of the time for two months would be spent biking uphill. So oh, decided pretty early on, you know, that, well, we'll just enjoy this and, uh, it's pretty fun. You, you get really in tune with the elevation, you know, after weeks of biking up and down, especially in deserts where it changes so dramatically, you go up 500 feet and you're like, Oh wow. Yeah. There's, there's a ponderosa pine. Like we must be getting up there. Like you go up a little more and the Aspen start, you know, you can probably start to look for water. And so I, I thoroughly enjoyed that, but 
directly after leaving the Grand Canyon, the traditional route goes through the Navajo Nation land, um, which looks incredible. It's like along these canyons and everything, but they were totally closed because of COVID again. So couldn't get a permit for the backcountry area. And also everything, you know, motels, campgrounds, all of that was closed. And technically you weren't supposed to sleep anywhere in their like land. So trying to be respectful of that, but also wanting to continue on our bike route, the like the roads through there are still open, the state roads. And so directly after the Grand Canyon, that day had been like 68 miles. It was my biggest day ever. We did a 118 mile day to get through the Navajo Nation so that we could sleep on the other side, which then <laughs> was definitely my biggest day, um, almost doubling my previous record from by a long shot so where'd you go was it the like Glen canyon area from there it was actually and then the other thing that happened around there was that there everything was on fire the north rim of the grand canyon was having a crazy wildfire at the moment and so you know i didn't really have that much service i'm like calling family to check in you know with the different authorities on the fire and like trying to get on wi-fi here and there to look at it and it basically made it down to the very day we were going to be there that the route we had to go through there evacuating everyone from. So decided that was not the best bike route. And so we ended up biking. That was why it was 118 miles, um, kind of around past Lake, Lake Powell there um, and up into Utah, uh, right over there by the Glen Canyon Dam. That is wild. You had so many things <laughs> working against you here. You kept going. Did y'all <laughs> at all feel like maybe we shouldn't be doing this? Man, yeah, I mean... To be honest, like multiple times uh, from not being in shape or just like ready to like being I was so nervous to go through the Navajo Nation and trying to decide if I would be able to bike that far and, you know, what will be closed and will the gas stations be open and then everything was on fire. And then sometime around this time was when my cousin Cameron, who was with me, got a call that he actually wasn't going to be able to bike the whole route because he had to start his job in Salt Lake. And so he actually left right after we finished Arizona. So we were like approaching the end of him biking with me. And I didn't know if anyone else would join me. And it was, it was quite the, the mental ordeal, to be honest. How did you take the news of your cousin not being able to join? What, what was going through your head? And what ultimately, how did you decide to keep going? Yeah, um, it was tough, you know. I mean, it was a very, a very humbling trip in many ways. Um, but that was one of them, you know, of course I, I understand, right. We kind of knew this was a possibility again, due to all the stuff happening in the world and the pandemic, he wasn't sure when his job would start. He talked to him and they were like, Hey, it doesn't sound like it's going to be soon. You should go adventure. Uh, and then they had, had someone quit and he ended up having to start, you know, a month earlier than expected. And it was, it was tough cause it was, we got the news pretty early on in the trip and so we'd completed you know two weeks out of out of like seven <laughs> and uh it, it seemed like a pretty daunting task to keep going but you know i kept telling myself well a number of things one i hadn't i've done a lot of adventures but i wouldn't say i've done many extended adventures alone you know i've camped a night here or there but i haven't ever just gone off by myself um for a long time and so that's something i wanted to do kind of you know <laughs> theoretically yeah wanted to like do. i would like to say i've done this but <laughs> right. actually going through it is a, a to totally different thing totally yeah. get that. so it was you know it was interesting and i kind of would try to get myself excited about that but really what i kept coming back to is i'd taken all this time off work and i mean it's like what else would i be doing so i would tell myself that every day like yeah you could stop and go home but like what are you going to do at home ride your bike around golden like don't do that <laughs> just keep biking what else are you going to do um and even the days when i would not want to keep pedaling it's like well what else are you going to do sit down and just like hang out <laughs> you should just keep biking and that was kind of my my mantra to get through the harder times yeah that's a lesson right there man like what else you know when, <laughs> when you're just sitting there in a terrible or you know not great situation you know you got to get out of there some way Right. What do you do? You're not, you know, broken. You know, you're not broken in half. Your body's not broken. Your bike's not broken. Yeah, just keep going. Exactly. I mean, that's a great lesson. So, 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 did your cousin leave 
like when you hit the Utah border? How did that work? He did. No, it worked out really well. Um, the whole trip really came together in an amazing way. It, you know, started us off kind of nerve wracking. But so my dad, who secretly I think had wanted to do this entire trip with us, uh, he biked across the country, coast to coast in the other direction. He was, I don't know, in his 20s. Wow. And uh, so I'm sure that he was just wanting to do this. So we were on the phone talking to him about this. He's like, oh, well, actually, I've been riding my bike twice a day for the past two weeks, like just in case. Like, do you want me to come bike a section? And so luckily I have a super supportive family um, all around. And so he ended up flying into Salt Lake, getting my cousin's car, driving to Arizona, and then they just like swapped. So he didn't bring any gear. He just jumped on Cameron's bike, like with all his gear, sleeping bag and everything, and then started biking north with me. I and Cam could take his car back to Salt Lake. And it was one of those adventure plans that they really just kind of comes together, you know, and then I biked close to Salt Lake and then Cameron was able to bike a couple of weekends here and there. Um, the route went pretty close to his house, luckily. And so he was able to get a couple more days in uh, and it ended up working out, you know, really great that he could come out then and my uh, other friend and girlfriend came out a little after that to meet me in Idaho um, and my mom ended up coming out closer to the northern part um, and just driving along and you know camping for a, a week with me as well so there was a lot of alone time but there was also a lot of time where I was just super lucky to have such a supportive family and, and network to you know come out and even if it was only biking two or three days um, that's a lot it gives you something to look forward to so Absolutely. That that is, you made it a family ordeal, man. That's really cool. I can't have yeah. a whole reunion you out always there. Always get involved. <laughs> That's so cool, though. That I mean, it, who would who wouldn't want to go see these places? I'm not gonna lie. Like, the tour divide is awesome, but I as I I'm just literally looking up and down the map as we talk and I'm looking, <laughs> thinking like that's an iconic place. That's an amazing place. The variation in this scenery is just unbelievable. You go by Bryce Canyon National Park. I mean, yep. you're like going right by there. all these, and you could quickly, easily add even more to it. Um, this might, this is a total tangent, but did you go by Pando, the Aspen Forest? I did. It's the largest, largest Aspen. It's the largest living organism. Yeah. It's uh, by Fish Lake, right? In, yeah. in Utah. Dude, that's so cool. I slept there. Oh, yep. that's awesome. Yeah, that's the largest living organism on Earth is the Pando Forest. Yeah. That's really cool, man. I mean, like that's just another random thing that's really incredible to see that's just right on the route. That's a good way to describe it. And there were a lot of things like that. Like I wouldn't I didn't really know about Pando prior to going, mm. right? It would I would two days ahead of time be looking at a little route guide or you know, reading stuff here or there, talking to people and like, oh, cool. I guess we'll go see the largest Aspen clone in the world. But yeah, let's let's camp there. <laughs> and then you learn about that. <laughs> Man, my wife and I drove hours through a snowstorm just to see Pando. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I, like, right, right. I was like, is this it? I see Aspens. This must, I had to like bike around until I found a yeah. sign. It's definitely not anything special if if you don't see the sign. It's just an Aspen forest. But uh <laughs> But totally. it, yeah, so it seemed like there's a lot of stuff like that. What's a, uh, I don't know, for, for maybe between the, you know, the border of Utah and, and Salt Lake, what were some of the things you had to look forward to? What was, what was the scenery? Did you enjoy that part pretty, yeah. pretty well? Um, yes. For one, it, um, it allowed me to bike during the day. So oh, I didn't even mention this. So the, this route really should either be started in like, early may uh, and then you finish earlier or you should wait and start coming south or uh, north to south maybe end of july so you finish in like september october down in arizona mm. so really june 6th or whenever i started is like the worst time ever but it's totally what lined up with the time <laughs> i had available so we were getting up at four uh and we would bike until like 10 30 or 11 and it would be well over 100 degrees and then we would lay under a tree like all day until like 6 p.m when it would dip below 100 degrees and then bike until like 10 30 p.m and then sleep and then wake up and do it again and that's like how i made 50 miles a day through the first two two and a half weeks and so yeah i definitely enjoyed the utah section because i was able to just bike during the day and just have a normal <laughs> like a normal schedule um so the logistics alone were 
were a really nice change of pace. Um, but yeah, you go through there and it's, it's incredible. It's a lot of like high desert area. Um, so, you know, you're kind of biking along and, and some of it's, you know, like Bryce Canyon, um, and that kind of desert, but it goes up and over a lot of plateaus. Uh, the route does a really nice job of never really keeping you at the same elevation for too long. And so you bike up and there's wildflowers and, and, you know, pine trees and little ponds and lakes you can camp by, and then it'll dip you back down. Um, and you kind of do that all the way until you get just south of Salt Lake. It goes on, on Skyline Drive, which is this four-wheel drive road. Um, takes you up into Soldier Summit. If you've ever been up there, it's just a gas station. Uh, but it kind of climbs the, the mountains just south of Salt Lake. And that part's so incredible. You, you get up onto this big plateau. And you can see like the Wasatch Range and the Uinas and kind of all of those mountains. And you, you finally feel like you're done with the desert, um, which you're not really. But you're done with the Arizona desert, at least. <laughs> the like crazy, you can't bike during the day desert. <laughs> Just from there, what, what, what were you experiencing as far as like uh, with people? Were you interacting with a lot of people? Were people asking you what you were doing? Were you even seeing that many people? Like, what was that like? Yeah. Um, hit or miss. So people, I would see them usually on the weekends. You know, some of the places are a, a popular weekend destination. A lot of like four wheelers and ATV users um, were around for this part of the route. And so I would say I saw some um, and I would go into town, you know, every day or two to, to resupply, but, but not a lot. You know, it's not like when you just go hiking somewhere on the front range here and you see all these people. I mean, there would be full days where I wouldn't see anyone. Um, absolutely. But, uh, it's, I don't know. I would say it was a good mix, especially when you're by yourself. Adventuring all alone in the wilderness is really cool, but that one's definitely better shared with someone else. Um, adventuring on your own is really awesome when you can interact with other people. I think that that's kind of my takeaway from this trip is mm. you experience things a little different when you're on their own and it's a really, it's a really good and powerful thing. Uh, but <laughs> you can only do so much beautiful scenery without sharing it with someone. Mm. You know, that, that, I, I, that's funny you say that. I've had that thought with people on this show. We've had so many people that do things for multiple years or adventures uh, just in the middle of, you know, nowhere. We've had folks that, that have sailed around the world alone or biked for decades alone. Right. And I think, like, man, like, it's all there in your head. You know, obviously you forget a lot, but it's also like that is that's a lot of stuff in that head and just your head and just that picture of yours or that camera of yours. And and in one hand, it's awesome. One hand, it is a, it is a shame that no one else is getting to see it. Totally. But, yeah, that was kind of my, my takeaway. You know, not to take anything away from doing adventures alone. I mean, that's an incredibly powerful experience. But yeah, it was uh, nice to see people and, you know, I would say when we started and you are biking along, like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, we're on a bike trip. Where are you going? Canada. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> and you're in the middle of like Tucson. You're like, okay, sure you are. Like, good luck. Uh, but you get farther north and there's a little bit more of an adventure crowd. So it's fun to, you know, get to the, the summit or the mountain pass and there's someone else up there on a, on a hiking trip or whatever. And you can kind of share that moment. That's, that's pretty cool. Did you meet anybody going southbound? So very few people. So there were not a lot of people doing this route that I encountered. So there are only two other people that I know of that were going northbound this year. Um, and I, find, I caught them at the very end of the trip. They started about two weeks before me. But I only saw one other, one other party of bikepackers until I got to Montana, actually, for the entire route. And... It, it was in Utah. It was near near Pando, actually. It was the day before we got there, and we were camped kind of among these rocks. And I was just sitting there uh, eating a hot pocket, actually, <laughs> watching the uh, watching the sunset. Good times. Totally. I just strap them on my bike and put them on a hot rock at the end of the day. <laughs> Super easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, there were these two bike packers that were biking down the road, and I like got up and jumped out of my chair and, and like ran down in my flip-flops and chased him down the road it's like are you guys bike packers like what, what are you doing are you doing the wild west route wow 
and it was, I was so excited. It was the first bike packers I'd seen the whole time and I had to chase them down and they ended up just doing a section. They were just doing the Utah section, but those were the first folks that I found. And <laughs> man, I was, I was so happy to just see someone else that was doing a similar activity because it had been three and a half weeks of seeing no one on a bike. Oh my gosh, man. That's too <laughs> funny. You're just instant connection. Totally get yeah. that. That, you know, anyone who's been out there can, can relate. Um, geez, man. So, so this route, uh, it, you know, you can, you can tell me if I'm, if I'm missing something, but between Salt Lake city and kind of Idaho, it looks like you go through parts of Wyoming, you get fairly close to like the Tetons. You probably couldn't see them. I wouldn't imagine, but you're relatively close. Yeah. Um, and then you go to craters of the moon. What, what could you tell us a little bit about that segment? Yeah, of course. So you go through Salt Lake, um, actually go around it. There's an alternate there. I went up over, um, near mirror Lake highway and it brings you down into Evanston right along I 80, uh, which is about halfway actually. And so you feel like you're about halfway there. Salt Lake just beyond, uh, kind of dips in and out of Wyoming. I think you go into Wyoming like five times in two days or something. And it kind of rides that border. And it's like, what you would expect Wyoming to be a little, a little more flat, a little bit more kind of high plains area. Um, but then it cuts over and, and goes into, um, Idaho and there's this giant Lake, uh, was it bear Lake? Yeah. And it's, it's awesome. It's like, there's a beach We're there on the 4th of July. Uh, it's like a party going on everywhere, which was cool at first. And then immediately you're like, ah, I kind of over people. I'm, I'm ready to be somewhere else. But <laughs> that's the, the beauty of bike packing is, I had a couple other friends join me for that part um, for the weekend, and my girlfriend was there as well. And we biked up to the lake, got annoyed with all the people, and then just biked along until there was no parking for cars, and then just pushed our ba- bikes through the bushes and found this awesome section of beach with no one around and spent the day splashing around and making avocado sandwiches on the beach to <laughs> celebrate. Uh, so that's super cool. and. And then you bike kind of north, and again, the route does a you can't see the Tetons, but you go through some smaller mountains. Um, the route again does a really good job of going up over, kind of past some abandoned and active mines, um, and then it goes down uh, into Soda Springs, and then over into Blackfoot, um, where I stayed with a super nice family. Um, I was able to bike along the and was the river there. I guess it's the Blackfoot River uh, for kind of a change of pace as well. Um, and then you bike back across the snake river plain, which is pretty exciting. It's when it gets wet, it's totally impassable. It's like that crazy mud clay that gunks up Mm -hmm, your bike. mm -hmm. So luckily everything was fine. Didn't have to deal with that, but you bike, it was about 80 miles across the plain uh, and there's nothing. So you just, (laughs) you just bike across it. And I stayed with this family in Blackfoot the, the night before they were awesome. random fellow bike packers that like found me that found the fact that I was doing this route and reached out to me of their own accord to offer me a place to stay, which was incredibly kind, but had just the craziest experience there. They had a, an elderly neighbor that lived in Blackfoot forever, you know, and he's talking to me and he's like, you're going out on the plains. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go tomorrow. You going to sleep out there. I was like, well, maybe, maybe not. I'm going to try and make it to the next town, but you know, we'll see well, there's not water out there. There's one well. I was like, yeah, I see that. Yeah, I'll, I'll carry some. And he's like, you know, there's snakes. Like, yeah, I know. I'm biking through the desert, but like, I'll be okay. He's like, well, you can't sleep out there with the rattlesnakes. Here's what you do. You got to bring a big rope. You got a rope? I'll get you one. Bring a big rope. You're going to soak it in diesel. And then you're going to lay it in a circle right around <laughs> your pad. The snakes won't be able to get you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I appreciate the concern, man. I'm not carrying a diesel-soaked rope. Like, it's not the Oregon trail. I think I'm going to be all right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, totally genuine. He, he offered me his gun to take with him, to take with me. He's, I'll come get it later. No, don't need the rope. I need a gun, but thank you. Thank you for caring. <laughs> Gotta be fine. Um, Locals, man. Locals are funny. <laughs> they totally are. Everyone's got a, got an opinion about what, what you're doing and, and the route you should take. It's the fun part about bike packing. Oh, you're taking that road? don't take that road. You should take this one. It's way better. You know, or, <laughs> Oh, you looking for a spot to camp? Well, 
I know a spot, camp at the orchard. And then you look it up and it's like 30 miles away. Well, <laughs> right. I, you know, I probably won't right. make it there today, but right. <laughs> in the opposite direction, it's, uh, yeah, right. man, locals, I have a theory about that. It's like, you're there, they want you to you enjoy it and they want you to see the best places, but they're also embarrassed if they don't know the details. And totally. so if it's more than 10 miles away from their house or right where they're standing, it's like, I yeah. doubt that they know the nuances of the road. They'll be like, yeah. oh yeah, it's flat the whole way. And I'm like, there's a mountain between here and there. Like the yeah. road goes over it. Clearly you've just driven it in a car for the last 40 years. So you don't know. But you feel it all on a bike, you know? Yeah, that I mean, the funny. odds that you meet someone who is intimately familiar <clears throat> with what it's like to mountain bike a road, it's like so slim. <laughs> Nobody knows. Right, exactly. <laughs> and even then, it's like, it, it's just, it's so few and far between. Yeah, exactly. Oh, if anything, the headwinds were brutal in that section. Nothing feels worse than having a headwind on a day when you think you should be making miles. Mm. about a month in you know starting to feel strong oh yeah 80 miles no hills no problem it's like 25 mile an hour direct headwind i couldn't pedal more than four miles an hour it's like so brutal and humbling oh my gosh (laughs) that'll drive you crazy it yeah it will you like stand up yell bike into the wind as hard as you can that lasts about 30 seconds and then you sit down and you haven't gone anywhere and you're still biking for another eight hours Going four miles an hour. Yeah, that's uh, I've had many days like that. And then right after that, it looks like you climb right up into the mountains. So that's fun. Yeah, <laughs> that was my favorite section. Sweet. So so I was going to ask, the Sawtooths are a mountain range that I feel I've heard good things about, but I personally don't know a whole lot about. And I feel like it might be like a hidden gem that isn't yeah. quite discovered, like the Front Range, for instance. Um, you tell me, what was it like to really go through the heart of them? Yeah, no, you couldn't have said it better. Um, yeah, don't get me started on that. My my girlfriend's already on my case because I want to buy a <laughs> buy a house in Sun Valley. <laughs> I, <laughs> now that that's an incredible area. I mean, you come out of the the Snake River Plain in the desert, and then you climb into these beautiful mountains, and it's they're mountainous enough, and there's streams that it's green, and there's plenty of water, but you're not so far up north that it's humid or that it, you know, is wet. So it's easy to sleep out without a tent, uh, but it's plenty of water that you don't have to worry about it. You can, I mean, they look crazy. The Sawtooth is like the best name for those mountains. They're just these like jagged peaks that go for miles. Um, There's hot springs everywhere. It's like super volcanic. There's all this thermal activity going on. So, you know, I'd hit like three to four hot springs in a day, uh, camp next to them. And yeah, I just loved that area interacted with a bunch of a bunch of people Um, my newest theory of how to travel is when you talk to the locals you should ask questions pretending like you're going to move there and you find out what a place is really like (laughs) oh that's that's interesting what what yeah what 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 do you mean by that um you know like oh what's the housing market like like how are how was your kid's second grade teacher what do you do in the month of like january what is the weather like in the mornings you know, do you get to bike to work? What's what it like during shoulder season? Like all of these random questions that you normally wouldn't ask just someone. I, uh, well, I was genuinely interested at, at the moment of like, man, I could see myself living here. And so I started to ask those questions and right. kind of carried it on through the rest of the trip of checking in with people. And everybody loves to talk about where they live, you know, so they immediately like you, but also you get these weird intimate details of, oh yeah, there's, you know, the greatest ice cream stand down the street, but you have to go on Tuesdays. Of course, it's like Sunday. Like, All right, maybe I'll come back. Uh, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's too but, funny, um, man. But yeah, I biked like 150, 200 miles along the Salmon River. Uh, it's just incredible. You know, just a, a really special section. And I would imagine not many people as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely less um, and easier to get off the beaten path the farther north you go. And so... It kind of goes right from there, right into Montana, and the you cross the border maybe five or five times between Idaho and Montana, right along the squiggly edge there. If you're looking at a map, um, and I mean that's it's all the same country. You're into like big, big mountain Montana country um, with pine trees everywhere, and no more like open mountains. You know, no more deserts, no more plains, and you kind of quickly get into that to finish the route. 
I'm looking at a terrain map from really from Idaho Falls all the way to Montana. It looks like just a crinkled up piece of paper <laughs> with a line yeah. through it. And I just can't imagine some of the beauty that's out there. Anytime you see that, you just know it's going to be interesting and fun and, and gorgeous and and wild and forested. Oh my gosh, that gets me so excited. But you, you yeah. get to the border. What, did you did you have a, a group waiting on you? You know, it seemed like there was a lot of people involved. So <laughs> I, I, I'm sure someone was waiting for you. Yeah. So we so my my mom had left. She you know came to hang out. I was biking alone for a couple of days. Cameron, of course, my cousin was you know still wanting to get in on the adventure. So he ended up coming up to pick me up from the border, which was super awesome. <laughs> but of course he was like, yeah, I'm going to bike a couple of days. I was like, okay. So then we had to figure out how to like shuttle his car. So then he had to call his friend Dave and Dave like wanted to bike too. And I was like, yeah, you should. But also we're going to be doing these huge days. Like, okay. You know? And yeah. so it's like calling this person and then someone else is going to shuttle the car. So again, after two months, amazingly, all these logistics come together that I like, meet him at this tiny town in the middle of nowhere like two two little stores uh we arrive within 20 minutes of each other and we ended up biking the last three days to the border um i wasn't originally i'd planned like four or five days to finish um figuring i would just go slow and enjoy it and you know it got within striking distance and i was like well i can bike 60 to 70 miles a day and that i can get there in three days and that's 100 percent what i'm doing i was just way too excited <laughs> there's yeah. no way i would have been able to slow down no kidding uh, all these so people we, be holding you up exactly so we biked to the border um we got lost like 20 miles from the border after this like you know almost 3,000 miles of finding our way we were too excited took a wrong turn and ended up in a little town looked at our map like dang it that we're not on the, <laughs> the route oh my so God. we uh just dipped into town, got ice cream again. You can tell that's the theme. Never, never pass up ice cream. No, no, no. And uh, <laughs> we ended up biking to the border, and yeah, my my cousin was ahead of me, and we were just biking along a flat road, and you can see the huge mountains in Canada. There's not much up there. Um, there's one bar and like a border crossing, and you're just biking on this flat road, and the Canadian mountains are huge <clears> in front of you, and you even after two months, you like feel all this energy build and <laughs> My cousin starts biking ahead of me and we're like fully tucked um, on our on our mountain bikes. Right. It's just like forearms resting on the handlebars. Not the best position. And he like keeps biking faster. I was like, oh, my God, he's going. And so he was pulling me down the road on our bikes at like 20, 22 miles an hour on flat ground, just like flying into the finish. We were so sore the next day. Didn't realize that we'd spent the last like 45 minutes to an hour just biking as hard as we could to like cruise into the border. <laughs> And uh, you get there, and that's it. Then, like, no one is there, and nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> like, we sat on the border, expected someone to come, you know, yell at us. No, no one's around. Like, set up our chairs. I, I'd carried a chair the whole way. It was my one luxury item. Um, so we, like, set up our chairs, sat by the border, took a picture, had a snack, like, wandered over to the bar where his car was and, like, walked in bartenders making fun of us for wearing a mask and you know immediately called out that we weren't locals and she's like well i can make anything you want but i don't have anything fancy it's like oh can you you know can you make like poutine it's like near canada <laughs> everyone in the bar just looks at me you know <laughs> like drops on the floor and no okay what can you make french fries great we would love some french fries like <laughs> and uh yeah that was that was it. And we, as all adventures end, just loaded bikes in and on top of the car with too much gear, too many people, drove Cameron's friend back to his car late at night, laid in the middle of a park and just slept and thought about it. It's really weird. It's really weird. That's a <laughs> great, great way to end it. It's I, I've been to Roosevelt once doing the Tour Divide, actually. And so it's funny right. that they kind of, begin and end in the same places but go a totally different way or near the same places but uh exactly um, dude yeah what a beautiful area and what a just amazing adventure what, what oh. how did i mean you know it's not been that long since you've been home what 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 what, what is kind of how have you readjusted being back and what what's kind of your thoughts about it looking back now just 
something. Yeah. Obviously, you're glad you did, but I don't know. What's what's what are you thinking about it in regards to the trip? Yeah. How am I doing being back? Medium at best. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would say, you know, it was pretty weird coming back. I took took a while to come home, went back to Salt Lake, stayed with my cousin for a day or two. Girlfriend came, picked me up. We like adventured in the mountains on the way back. So kind of had a soft reentry. But um, for probably the first three weeks, I had to bike every day or my brain and my body would hurt. Like if I wouldn't go bike, my knees would hurt. It was so weird. I spent the whole trip worrying about my knees, my body holding up. Everything was fine. I came home and stopped biking and I would be so like stiff and sore. Um, I didn't take any rest days. I took one, took one rest day in Salt Lake um, and had biked for two months straight and I would feel so bad and I would get on my bike and ride for 10 minutes and immediately feel better. So for the first three weeks, I just rode my bike a lot, you know, go out, spend a quick 40 miles around town, try and readjust to sleeping inside. Uh, it didn't rain the whole trip. And so I'd seen the stars every night. No way. And it didn't rain. It rained one day, um, before my planned rest day in Salt Lake. Uh, it was this crazy, like hail storm, rainstorm. Wow. And I just went into Salt Lake and exploded all my gear. Um, and then bike the next day, but like I said, I didn't even bring a tent before I got there, and I uh, slept without the rainfly every night um, in Idaho. I had it because of the bugs, but I'd seen the stars every night, so it's a little, a little interesting to readjust. But it was good. I started work again in September, and so I've been readjusting to that. Um, came home and <laughs> just, rode, just rode my bike a lot because that's what made sense. <laughs> Dang man, have you had any weird experiences of like? I don't know. After an experience like that, you might have something remind you, not this, not PTSD or anything, but I remember having a trip one time where like water and food were not that available. And we got back to this airport and this person was like losing it over this pizza that wasn't right at a pizza <laughs> shop. And I was just like, I can't believe you're complaining. <laughs> like was my first reaction. Totally. It's like we had been starving. So I don't know. Did you have any experiences like that coming home? Yeah, it was it it was anytime I would go into a store, it would like freak me out. Like there was so much food. I mean, I'd been in stores the whole trip, but I would go in and like watch people like selecting their food and like there's all these choices and there were like so much stimulation and I would walk around for like 5 minutes and be like, "I can't. I I don't want to be in here anymore. Let's just get a gallon of milk and go." <laughs> wow. So, yeah, I don't know why stores were so weird. I just think the the sim- stimulation and the over, <laughs> over whatever you want to call it. You got 150 feet of cereal to choose from. That's that's <laughs> exactly. that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> and you're hey. you're looking at it different. You're not like, wow, I, okay, I don't need to eat a whole box of cereal for breakfast. Like that could last a week. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, that's funny, man. So so what is you know what 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 could you tell somebody who you know obviously a lot of things lined up for you, but what, what can you tell someone that doesn't feel necessarily prepared for a big adventure or what have you learned about just kind of jumping into things? Did it, it seem to work for you? Yeah. Um, it always does <laughs> in some fashion, depending on how you look at it. But, uh, and you know, anyone could do this, right. And I know it's a pretty cliche thing to say, but it, it was really hard. Um, I learned a lot on this trip. I was very humbled every day um but it's also really confidence building you know you get strong and you can bang out another 30 miles when you didn't think you could and i think anybody can feel that right like i took i had a bike um and i'd done some camping so i had a leg up but i had no idea what i was doing you know i just strapped things to my bike with ski straps and then like everything fell off the first day when we went downhill and then you figure it out and everything squishes and explodes in your bag and then you figure it out and so i think as long as you're in it for the adventure and not in it for doing it right, whatever that means um, when you start out. I think that it's it's truly something that anybody can do. I mean, bikepacking is great. It's my first bikepacking adventure, and I'll never backpack again. This was so much better. That's... <laughs> mm, what, what, man, why, why is that? Why do you think, for you specifically, why do you say that? Um, two reasons. One, well, three. One, way more fun. You get like a fun aspect as well as the hard aspects. So you get to go downhill, you get to, you know, bike fast, you get to do all of those like exciting parts of it. 
um, you can carry a lot of things, but not hurt your body. So once your once your legs get strong, it's not like you're carrying a, a heavy pack every day. And if you want to carry, who knows, a gallon of ice cream into the desert, or you know, strap a a two liter of orange juice to your bike, like who cares? Like just strap it to the front fork and go out in the middle of nowhere and like drink a whole gallon of orange juice. Like you don't do that when you're backpacking. Um, not at all. But I think for adventuring and seeing new places, like if you were gonna, yeah, I've always been kind of interested in like walking a long distance trail, but like if you're walking the AT and someone's like, hey, there's a cool waterfall, it's five miles away. Like that's a big deal. If you're gonna walk five miles out of your way to come back, it's like a whole day. But biking, if something's five miles away, who cares? So you might like, let's go this way, let's go that way. So I think there's a certain freedom to it that really allows you to to play it by ear and, and see a new place in that way. Well, Keegan, you you have totally convinced me to uh, to put this on my list of routes to do <laughs> because it just looks incredible. I absolutely loved the Tour Divide, but this looks even more. It obviously is more rugged, more desolate, less yeah. people, and uh, you know, there's more and more routes like this popping up all over. And I, I can't agree with you more. I'm definitely partial. Listeners know that. For all the same reasons you mentioned, my knees, you know, are a big deal and, and, and being able to carry an entire, you know, jar of peanut butter, you know, I want to be <laughs> able to do that in my coffee, you know what I mean? And all these things, right. it's like, I don't want to drill holes in my toothbrush to save yeah. <laughs> a half a gram, you know what I mean? Like, I just want to carry a freaking toothbrush and totally. this cool rock I found, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> for sure, just stuff like that. I want to be able to do it and the bike or a kayak or something like that is just a great medium to have um, to get that done. And, but, but, you know, all respect to folks doing it all on foot, you get to go to some great places, but, um, you know, I, I think these roads out here and these, these, uh, these, these forest roads and trails are, um, that you can take a bike on are still incredible, incredible to go yeah. on, but dude, well, so, you know, to wrap this all up, you know, what, what, what do you have to look forward to? What do you, what do you got ahead of you? And, uh, also how can people find you if that's something you want people to even do? <laughs> well, when I caught back, no, but yeah, people could find me now. <laughs> um, yeah, coming up, um, we'll have to go back to work. Uh, just you know, adventuring is a a lifestyle, but but not a not a job per se. And so, um, excited to get back into another season with Avid. Uh, have some other adventures, you know, planned. <laughs> funny i came back and bought a motorcycle so i I don't know what that says about the trip but (laughs) (laughs) you like two wheels that's for sure uh yeah and uh you know just been trying to get after it and stay fit and i've been getting up on some ridges here in the front range but i think looking forward i i just found the other day a bike packing route in north dakota um it's one of two states that i haven't been to i have that in hawaii and i feel like north dakota would be not a cool way to finish my 50 states so i'm going to go there next and then hawaii uh but i found a a quick one um but it's fun to kind of have the know-how and have all the gear to go up i think it'll be like a four-day route um and the kind of the southwest corner there and I'll, i'll go up and do that when i get a long weekend and and who knows i think i would do another long trip again um i don't know if i would do like a two month bike pack maybe it would depend on the situation, um, but I'll I'll definitely be bikepacking in the future, um, and in the meantime, <laughs> planning planning other adventures. I don't I don't know that a year's gone by when I haven't come up with some crazy scheme like this. So I'll just let the next one hit me when it does. Oh man, well Keegan, dude, thank you so much for joining. I I, I think I heard a few stories of uh, maybe some future adventure sports podcast episodes just from you because uh, definitely it was i don't i have a feeling this is not the craziest thing you've ever done so um or, or at least there's a lot more other things as well so maybe we can get you back on again you're a great storyteller this was really fun and uh yeah man thanks for thanks for jumping on thanks for reaching out yeah of course no i, I really appreciate it and appreciate everything you uh you do here I, I listened to a bunch of podcasts as i was going and man, there's nothing to help you keep biking, like listening to someone do something that's way harder than what you're doing when you're feeling bad. <laughs> you know, all these, I'd be like, wow, it's so hard. Today was awful. And I'd listen to 
someone who, you know, walked across Siberia and I'm like, wow. Okay. So I'm going to be fine. I'm going to go get ice cream. <laughs> right. like, it's going to be a totally okay. So now I'll thank see you my for mom in two days. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. She's going to make me dinner. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm making fun of it, but my trips are the same way. It's like, yeah, yeah. I definitely, I definitely think my life is hard. And then I listen to someone on this show and think, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm fine. I can I can <laughs> <Totally>. tough up. <laughs> All right, man. We'll be in touch when this thing uh as this thing gets closer to coming out. Should be a couple weeks from now. And uh yeah, I'll tag you and do all that and we'll go from there. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Mason. Thanks for doing all you do and hopefully you can get out on your bike soon. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'll let you know next time I'm in Golden. All right, man. Heck have yeah. a great night. Thanks. All right, see ya. Bye. First of all, Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at com. And until then, get out there and have some fun. <laughs>